0: Hey, Mamas, this is Playfully Faithful Parenting, and I'm your host, Joy Wenling. I'm a seminary grad and children's and family minister turned stay-at-home mom to my five girls. Spiritual parenting is my calling, and it's my passion to help other mamas disciple their kids using the power of play and their own authentic daily walk with Christ. If you're a mama who wants to introduce your kids to Jesus and watch as the Holy Spirit transforms their lives, this is the place for you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in and see how we can partner with God today. Hey, welcome to Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'm Joy, and this is part two of my interview with Catherine Parks. If you did not listen to the last episode, go back and listen to it. And today we're talking about identity. I'm so excited for that conversation and gentleness, and um, she has such a brilliant definition of gentleness. And then finally, we talked about how to study the Bible with your kids. If you've never done it, um, some great tips for how to do that, how to start, whether you're using her book or just the Bible so there's so much goodness in this episode listen and enjoy i'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and this conversation and um the links to this book and her website are in the show notes and um i just hope you enjoy i thought it was so Powerful and such a great Bible study. So, I hope you enjoy. And I love also that this is so much about identity for kids. I think um, I've been meeting with a group of parents online over the last eight weeks, and um, we walked through the Connected Families Sensitive and Intense Kids course. And so, all of us in the group have kids that have a hard time with emotions and regulation and, um, different sensory needs and all sorts of things. And so one of the things we've been talking about a lot is how to speak God's truth and their identity and Christ to them. And often we've found that, especially with sensitive and intense kids, and we, um, Connected Families talks about this in the course, that shame is a part of their identity, um, those kids who struggle with regulation and their emotions. And so how do you, when you talked about the things that were called to take off, and and you kind of alluded a little bit to this earlier, but taking off anger and wrath and malice and slander, filthy language and lying, how do we how do you talk about that without... At having shame to mm. their identity?
1: Mm. Man, that's so, so good. <laughs> Such a good question. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. I think, you know, I don't go into this in the book, but that relationship between shame and guilt, I think is so fundamental that where shame becomes part of our identity and guilt is something that points us to Our need for a savior and need for forgiveness, but um, shame is something that we can carry with us for a really long time. And it's not of the Lord, you know, that does not come from him. And um, my heart with my kids was to just show them the undesirability of these things. So, you know, even down to like, Let's draw a picture, and I still remember my kids' pictures that they drew during COVID of like the the worst outfit you can imagine, um, because it's this metaphor of clothing, and and so we do that in the the published study too. But th- this is the image I want you to have in your mind when you think about this old identity that it's it's not something that is good and true and beautiful, and so it's not something to be desired. Um, So first, like setting it up as sometimes we feel like we're missing out on the fun that everybody else is having because we're believers. And if we can kind of flip the script on that and say, actually, these are the things that cause the shame that we don't want to carry with us. Um, And we can take those things off because we do have a new identity. But always going back to And I think as moms, this is something that we have to be really intentional about, but sharing our own struggles, like, I know my identity is in Christ, but I still got angry with you today. And I'm so sorry about that. And kind of walking through in front of them, repentance, confession, but then that restorative joy that comes from, you know, even saying to them, I'm so thankful that Jesus forgives me and I don't have to you know, call myself an angry person because that's not who I am. I don't have to call myself a liar because that's not who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been saved by him. Sometimes I struggle with these things, but that's not my identity. And it's not your identity either. And kind of giving language to that, I think is really important because our kids do. You're right. Some of our kids really internalize those things. And so, you know, for some kids, I think it's the opposite where they're like, they just don't have that sensitivity. Um, I have one of each, so I'm well-versed in both. But um, but yeah, so pointing out the the negative, the um, undesirability is important, but then pointing out the restoration that God offers when we do struggle and when we do sin is really important. And I think modeling that is the best way to do it. Thank you. I think that's so good. And it's such... A good
0: reminder for us to talk about that in terms of our own identity as parents with our kids and modeling that and framing that in such a way that um, they see that we still struggle with it, even, even as we walk with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think also, I love that it's with clothes because you can kind of play with clothes and see like, oh, is this my style? Is this not my style? put it on. Oh, that doesn't feel comfortable. That might look good on somebody else, but it doesn't work on me. And so there's so much kind of fun language you can do with that. And even pulling out clothes and having them try on my clothes or their dad's clothes and like, this fits for him, but it doesn't for you. And so what does that, what does that mean for identity? And so I think, um, I think it was just such a fun way for you to um to include the artwork and the for kids to do their own artwork and I think there's just so much potential in that for our conversations
1: yeah thanks
0: yeah, so another thing that is in the book um you talk about gentleness and um there are lots of things going on in the world, talking about gentleness and what that means. And I think often gentleness is misunderstood Mm -hmm. in the secular world and in the Christian world. And um, so can you explain a little bit about how you talk about gentleness in the book, how you encourage us to teach our kids to be gentle but that it still doesn't mean that we have to be people pleasers or pushovers.
1: Yeah. This was probably the hardest section to write because I, again, like wrapping your mind around something that you bring your own background and preconceived notions into. And um, I really wanted to understand how we're supposed to view the gentleness of Christ and what that means for the way that we're called to be gentle and and one of the things that I landed on was um, this idea of gentleness being like almost strength under control um, and that the person who is gentle has the power to either be gentle or not, they're, they're in a position of degree of power um, in order to do that and so the definition I landed is using our strength and power to lovingly help others. And I think we see this in Jesus when, you know, he's telling his disciples and his followers that he is gentle and lowly. And he's contrasting that with the religious leaders who were putting more burdens. They were using their power to saddle the people with more burdens and more expectations. And it was just beating them down. And Jesus, who had the authority to put all kinds of, you know, rules and regulations and burdens on these people, was inviting them to something different. And um, he describes himself as being gentle. And it is a complicated thing. um, But I think for kids, you know, one of the, the things that I realized is, they're going to think gentle, like be, be gentle the way that you pet an animal or gentle the way that you hold a baby. And again, that's a position of power, right? You are the one who could do harm to this smaller being or whatever. Um, but relationally, this is where our kids see a lot of that. And they, as they approach those late elementary, early middle school years, There's a lot of power struggles happening. There's a lot of people using their power to put other people down. And what does it look like to be the person that steps in and sees that happening and chooses a different path? The person who could put expectations and requirements on people for friendship, but instead says, you know, I'm not going to do that and uses that strength to lift up the people that need to be lifted up. And um. And so walking that with kids, I think is really important. But again, it does not mean, oh, let people do whatever they want to you. <laughs> um, and I think we see that like Jesus is saying, I'm gentle and holy, but he's the one who willingly went to the cross and he stepped into that. Um, and I think sometimes our kids can be like, oh, in order to be like Jesus, I have to just let people do whatever they want me. I have to be, you know, kind of a, a floor floor mat or let people walk all over me. And, um, and so it is a, going back to that identity piece. Like it's really important to talk to them about you have value because you're made in the image of God. And this is not the way that we treat God's image bearers. And it's not the way that we want you to be treated as an a bearer of his image, like that is so valuable. And so kind of picking up on those cues and recognizing when our kids, some of them might be um taking too much of that on themselves and and need an adult to step in or need, you know, someone to say, hey, it is this goes into the forgiveness chapter too, but if you are being hurt, that's not okay. <laughs> this is not what Jesus is calling you to, and so, um, I think it's really important that again, like this is something that kids can do individually, but having an adult to have these conversations with them, I think it is really important to kind of get down to some of the nuances of these things. I love when you said strength under control.
0: I think that is um a really great way to help kids to be able to see that. And for us as parents to model that in our parenting with our kids. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I want to know, you talked about this kind of came out of just this time of you sitting down with your kids with no resource except for the Bible and just kind of, I mean, you had gone through something, a Bible study yourself, but when you sat down with your kids, you said, you know, you just kind of sat down with them and a the Bible. And so, for parents and moms listening who've never done some kind of actual Bible study with their kids, maybe they've read Bible stories, but no Bible study with their kids. What tips do you have on one either how to use your your Bible study for that? Or two, just how to get started in doing something like that with your kids.
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things is make it special. Uh, So, you know, especially starting out, if you're like, okay, stop your video games and come in here because we're going to read the Bible. (laughs) You're setting the whole thing up for failure, right? We've all been there. Um, But, you know, kind of starting out like I think the first time we did it, I had made muffins and, you know, made it this, like, let's gather around and eat together and then talk about this while we're doing that. And so um, something that makes it special and something that your kids will look forward to, kind of setting it up that way from the very beginning. And then, you know, and using the study, um, I think you could use it even devotionally if in your kids and your family's busy schedule, there's not like a great time for everybody to sit down and do this either individually or together um, where they're writing things and doing it. I tried to make each day really short and um, accessible so that it wouldn't feel overwhelming. But I I think families can use this like in the evening before bedtime, just talking through it together and doing it as a family instead of, um, you know, a kid having to do it on, on their own. I think it, it could be used either way. Uh, when it comes to just sitting down and studying the Bible, one of the things, you know, with a passage like this, there's actually just so much that you can do with it. And so you could do it with the, with the spirit too. But what I did was just took each of things and I would just look at, uh, like Bible gateway or the Bible project of you know, these websites and, sounds like where did Jesus show compassion and looking up some of those things and then reading them through with the kids and talking about them, just making it very conversational. How do you see him showing compassion? How can you do that? What does that look like? How do you think the people were feeling kind of using that sensory language? And when it comes to talking about Jesus had just found out John the Baptist was killed and disciples come back from this journey And Jesus is like, let's go get away and rest. And all of a sudden, all these people are there. And so inviting our kids into like, don't you think they felt tired? Don't you think they were so sad? Don't you think they just wanted to run away? And yet we see Jesus felt compassion and he spends all day teaching these people and then feeding them. And so I think the more we can use imaginative language and sensory language to invite our kids into these stories, the more it will feel like Jesus is a real person (laughs) and that he gets us and we, he understands what we're feeling. And so then saying, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with my son where, um, a family member had just died and we had been up with her, um, through the night, she's in hospice care, and we were tired and weary, and I got back home, and all of a sudden, my son in the middle of the night started um, th- <laughs> all night, and having this passage in my mind, I just... I just started praying like, Lord, please give me compassion because I'm so weary and the comfort of knowing Jesus knows exactly how I'm feeling right now. Like he has been in this position and he cares and he is loving me through the spirit and giving me the power I need to show compassion to my child. And I just needed him to work through me in that because I didn't have it in myself. And so having those kind of conversations with our kids where we can show we're not the hero of the story, but point them to the one who is and who deeply understands their feelings. That is, I think that's the biggest honor to me as a mom. It's kind of, um, shepherding my kids into that relationship with Jesus where they see him as real and living and active in their lives.
0: Thank you. Oh, that's so good. So good. I think um yeah, moms often just don't know where to start. And so I think you have made it um just accessible and simple but special. Um so I think it's uh such good words and Again, for those listening, the book is called What to Wear, A Kid's Bible Study on Looking Like Jesus. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I think all moms need play. So, Catherine, how do you like to play?
1: Um yeah this is such a good question and it's something i've been thinking about a lot uh you know for me a lot of play is um i i work full-time and so a lot of my work is actually reading (laughs) and so where reading used to be really fun um now sometimes it doesn't feel that restful because it's what i do all day and so i have tried to do a lot more of just getting outside um riding bikes and taking walks and, um, doing things. I love to hike. I love to do that. And, um, whether it's with friends or family, getting out into nature, I think is so, so important for just our souls. Uh, so I would say, you know, if I could hike every weekend, that would be a win that doesn't happen. But even just being able to go for a 10 minute bike ride is really fun and relaxing and enjoyable for me. And I love that.
0: Right. Yes. And you live in Tennessee, right? So you've got mountains and beauty and all of that to enjoy outside.
1: Yeah. During COVID, that was actually one of the the benefits of that time is that we couldn't do anything inside, but um, all of our state parks were still open for hiking. And so we just, we discovered so much of the beauty of this area that we hadn't seen before. And our kids, I think that's one of their favorite memories from that time is just um, hiking and being outside.
0: Yeah. Uh, Love it. Well, thank you again, and how can
1: the listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, um, I'm on most socials as at Kath, C-A-T-H, Parks. And um, that's my website as well, CathParks.com. And all my books are on there. And I do not blog very often, but <laughs> uh, you can read a few blog posts on there as well. Great. And I will
0: put all the links to that in the show notes. Thank you again, Catherine, for joining me. And thank you for your Bible study. I really, um, I'm excited to, now that we've talked, I'm going to pass it off to my daughter and um just excited to walk through that with her. And so I think you, again, just did a really wonderful job of meeting that age group where they are with the capability and the play. And um, so I just, I'm so appreciative for that.
1: Thank you. That's so encouraging. And thanks for what you're doing. This is such a fun podcast. So appreciate you, Joy.
0: Thank you. Well, mamas, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me on Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'd love to keep the conversation going over on the socials. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you felt encouraged or equipped by today's show, do me a favor and leave a review. I can't wait to hear your story. Till next week, keep playing and pointing those littles to Christ.